Hi, I'm Kim Vu. Welcome to Vietnola, the show about being Vietnamese in New Orleans. Vietnola is a member of a family of shows on the podcast network, itsneworleans.com. Xin chào quý vị. Đây là bài Vietnola chương trình pháp hành về cộng đồng Việt Nam in New Orleans. Vietnola là một bài từ chương trình podcast, itsneworleans.com. Today on the show, we'll have a conversation with our guest, Daniel Nguyen, co-founder, former owner, and general manager, and even athlete for the Pandas basketball team, an Asian-American athletic team based in Louisiana. Nguyen entered competitive sports in 2009 when he was approached by a friend to start a local YMCA team. Nguyen called upon high school and church league friends to form a league of primarily Asian-Americans. After a rough first season, they entered a tournament hosted by New Orleans Vietnamese nonprofit Vela and made it to the semifinals. Armed with this confidence, they entered a Baton Rouge tournament and won. The taste of victory commenced a domino-like sensation of teamwork, resulting in three basketball teams, three football teams, a volleyball team, a soccer team, softball team, and tennis team, which compositely claimed 21 championships. Welcome, Daniel. Hey, how are you doing? Panda Power. This is really exciting. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 definitely been something that I've been able to enjoy, you know, over the years. Very and a pretty pretty impressive victory sheet, considering you y'all have only been active for about what since two thousand and nine, so four years. Yeah, um, and actually, over the past weekend, we uh, won our football league too. So oh, just adding on to the <laughs> adding on to the sheet, but um, yeah, it's. it's there's leagues throughout the year that we compete in, and then there's also tournaments as well. So um, we definitely stay busy throughout the year. So, okay, so let's let's start from the beginning. Pandas. Right. You started out. You were mostly or all Asian American. Is that correct? That was correct. Um, yeah, we we were. I was in a church league at the time, an Asian Christian church league. So that was um, where most of my guys that came from. And then, like I said, uh, I contacted guys from high school and everything and so it was just basically a mixed crowd but predominantly asian and the so your church league it sounds like was asian because it was an asian church right then you entered a non-asian league correct correct okay so tell us how that was we kind of took that league by storm you know it's uh (laughs) well the first the first league that we where we originally um joined the YMCA league we just didn't fare out well just because we were just working out kinks but the um the main league that we had joined the Badger City League uh, Braba we definitely took that league by storm we just caught a lot of attention you know worked out a lot of things we were you know more cohesive as a team by then and you know in our first year as a team in that league we won their won our championship so so if you're like 99% of the Asian Americans, especially Vietnamese Americans, I know you were, you know, heavily encouraged, let's say by your parents to go to college and do well in school. And here you are playing sports. How, how'd that go over with your folks? Well, throughout school, it was, um, it was definitely study first, study first, but I was, I grew up more in, um, non-traditional so uh, you know my studies were definitely priority but then they were able to let me kind of sneak away uh, from that from time to time to 
play sports. You know, it was either play sports or I guess learn an instrument. I definitely <laughs> wish I learned an instrument now, now, now that these days are, are upon us. But um, definitely, I'm glad that I got to play sports and just join a crowd that I'm not, I wasn't really familiar with back then, you know. And you grew up in Baton Rouge? I grew up in Baton Rouge. And what's the size of the Vietnamese community there? I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it's much smaller than New Orleans. I know that. Um, I mean, it but your church isn't um, mostly Vietnamese people, or no? The church that I played, um, it was the the one that I actually played for was um, a Korean church. But the there were a, there was a Vietnamese church in the league. You know, it was a Vietnamese Baptist church, um, um, fairly large church. But then you know you have the Catholic churches in town, which much larger congregation and everything. So um, it's it, it was always a big community to me growing up. But then when you step foot into New Orleans, you see, you know, um, tens of thousands of right. Vietnamese Americans. Right. And I actually grew up in California where there's about a quarter of a million Vietnamese yep. Americans. So I guess it's all perspective, huh? R- right. And your team, so pandas have expanded. They've mushroomed, what have you, and right. gave birth to baby pandas, baby panda teams, right, that are now winning championships as well. Are any of those based in New Orleans, or is it primarily Baton Rouge? They are all pr- primarily in Baton Rouge, with the exception of one football team that we uh, sponsored out of Versailles, New Orleans. Uh, they came up to me and was like, hey, you know, we want to play under your name. You know, we like how you run your organization and operate. So, um, and I was more than welcome to uh, take them in and put them under the panda name. So, and they just won a uh, championship, huh? And, and they just won. Uh, they've they've won a few, but yeah. So, so for that team, does the panda have like a fleur de lis in its hair or in its ear? Or does it have a? No, uh, we need to, we need to work on that on our on our logos. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're definitely behind the times. So. <laughs> Well, you're too busy. Y'all are too busy winning. So that's that's a good thing. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely a good thing. But it, it's also something that um that I know that I guess a lot of them haven't had the opportunities to in the past. So I'm glad that I've, I've able been able to provide that for them. You know, and it's all their hard work put together. You know, it's just finally all paying off for them. So I live in a neighborhood where football is very much beloved and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you see, you see a lot of young kids playing on the park actually across the street from my house. Um, not a lot of Vietnamese Americans, but yet you're telling me the pandas, they, they won a championship here. What was the typical demographic of their opponents here? In in New Orleans, we the typical demographic is actually uh, mainly Asian American because of the tournaments that we do play in New Orleans, mm-hmm. like for the um, for Vela. Mm-hmm. So um, even though it's a profit organization, it it does target more to the um, the Asian community. Mm-hmm. So that's mainly what we see, and then we also play in tournaments in. At Tulane, which is a rice bowl, and they, and that, that, of course, <laughs> is it, has to be is it mostly Asian teams? It's, it's all Asian teams. I think they have um, Asian rules where you have, or actually non Asian rules, how many players you have per team that are non Asian descent. 
<laughs> so, yeah, it gets serious out there. So, <laughs> um, uh, so we're culturally, you know, how, how is this, how does this go over? I, I, I read your notes before the show about how, you know, for a while you were, you were very disliked in the New Orleans area. Um, the pandas, the team that is right. not you as a person. Right. Can, you, can you talk about that, please? Uh, you know, what that felt like and. You know, it, it, for us as a team, it just made us want to work harder. Okay. I don't, you know, we, we didn't even know that we weren't liked because, you know, uh, as you mentioned earlier, we lost in this tournament and uh, in the semifinals. So, you know, when, when you lose, you're not really, you're, you just become an afterthought, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you're not, you know, the winner are the ones that people try to go after or go against because they're the ones that won. So, you know, we just, we were, we felt like we were just one and done. So we went back to Baton Rouge, did our own Baton Rouge things, but then, you know, through friends of ours that we heard, um, you know, I guess just through the grapevine, they're like, oh, you know, our pain is going to be at this tournament. Our, you know, pain is going to be, at, you know, this league or whatever. So, you know, apparently, you know, I guess we just made um, a name for ourselves to where they did want to go up against us, even though we didn't feel like we were much of a team anyway. And it was so, an Asian league as well. You know, yeah, it was an Asian league as well. So, um, uh so that's why we, you know, we went back to New Orleans to compete in the same tournament the next year, and um, luckily came out on top. So I cruised around on your Facebook page, and it looks like you know you had actually some sponsorships, and you had uh, it looks like you had an A and E sponsorship of some sort or some kind of ad. Um, you've been doing some good promotion. Ha- mm-hmm. How, what was that process like? You know, how did you, how did you market yourselves as something different? So, I mean, apparently cool. there's a lot of Asian teams that I am completely unaware of, but the pandas has stuck. What, right. what was that like to get it to that point? Well, we, we are, I'll, yeah, we just as an organization, we're very fortunate uh, with the amount of leagues that we play in and the fees that it costs, you know, um, I try to provide for my guys like, hey, you know, I try to cover these fees and you just go out and play and have fun. So I, I approached my bosses and just partners of mine through um, the trade that I work with. And they were all fine with, you know, um, covering fees here or then, you know, we all pitched in to get jerseys here and there. And then when we got our orders done, then uh, we built a good relationship with our distributor. So our distributor... Um, started giving us a lot better deals or, you know, cause we were just a frequent customer. So, and these people in the trades you're talking about, are they Asian owned businesses as well or no, they're, um, American owned there. It's just construction business. Like I've known them for years. So I guess in a way that I'm like family to them. So like I said, it, I'm very, very fortunate to be able to, um, have been, been helped like this along the way. So, well, you, you must, you must be doing something right because I work with a lot of construction folks as well. And I think it would be a hard sell to ask them to support an Asian American athletic team, but Definitely. I think that's great. And, and your day job is, um, project manager and estimator for a company in BR called unit design. We specialize in commercial flooring for commercial projects like your your hospitals, universities, um, government work. So 
totally uh, unrelated to athletics. Definitely. And unrelated to that, I think any job any Asian American would have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> it is a little unusual to find Asian Americans in construction. I think, I think you're probably right about that. Right. Uh, any aspirations to pursue the business end of athletics as a, on a more, maybe even part-time basis and not such a hobby? It sounds like you've already been successful doing it as a hobby. Um, I'm not quite sure on where I want to take it because like, um, cause being a part of this for almost five years now that uh, – I did want to step away for a while and just concentrate on other aspects of the organization rather than just sports because I felt like we've established a name for ourselves ourselves where I don't have to do as much and I can just kind of take a back seat mm-hmm. and I let my captains, each team has a captain and they take care of their teams and players and everything. So um, they're doing a big job for me right now and I'm just trying to focus it on more away from, or not just sports, you know, so that's, I guess, what I'm in transition for right now, and hopefully um, something can come of it in the next few years or so. What do you mean more than just sports? So doing more charity work or or entering other fields of competition altogether? Uh, I'm pretty sure we're maxed out on competition because we have so many sports now, but yes, yeah, mainly charity work. That's the kind of organization that I'll, I'll strive for us to be or to at least be known as. Um, it's something that I do take pride on for our guys that actually do go out there and help out and compete um, in, like, you know, uh, 5Ks for cause, you know, where we have, if it's, if, whether it's Alzheimer's, breast cancer awareness, um, you know, anything. Uh, they, we go out, we they, they run in under the Panda name, and, we you know, that's what we mainly want to do we raise money raise awareness let people know um that you know there are issues bigger than sports out there you know mm-hmm. so but you you did you did make a name in sports and as asian americans i with at the risk of aging myself you know i remember when michael chang first stepped on the scene and mm-hmm. it was like oh see asians can play sports mom and dad like you know, it, some of them can be even successful at it. And I tried out for my basketball team, you know, in like seventh grade and didn't make it. So then they're like, well, I told you, it's just, why don't you just stick to school and, and doing really well in school? So how was that growing up as, you know, like many Asian Americans, what was that like? You know, t- very much, probably more often than not, you're a minority on a lot of the teams. It sounds like you played on in high right. school and, and before that. What inspired you to kind of push through the stereotypes? It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, you know, you're already at a disadvantage not being <laughs> American. You know, there's either a height issue. Or, What's your height? I was just going to even ask. I'm, I'm, I'm five seven, so I'm okay. not that tall. Right. You know, so, well, not tall uh, for basketball. Definitely. Pretty tall for an Asian American, though. So, so. well, thank you for that. So, <laughs> but, but you know, it's just you know, it's just you you work hard, and if the coaches see that you work hard, that you show up every practice, that you don't give up, then um, they will, you know, they'll 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 notice that, and if and it goes on from there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
one of the guys that I'd started off with, same age as me, we started off freshman basketball at the same height, you know, five, seven. I was probably at my tallest then, and he's six, eight now, you know, so, <laughs> you know, and he's he's doing a lot better things than me as far as basketball, but. Um, I should hope so at that height, though. I mean, come on. He has no excuse, right? Right. Definitely. Uh, Yao Min, are you a big Yao Min fan? I am. Um, I got to meet him in February. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, very cool. Very, very nice guy. Now, you, you mentioned you had only spent one month in Vietnam that you'd like to spend more. Do you see, you know, an avenue there of maybe getting involved in athletics in, in Vietnam? Um, yeah, I, I definitely need to go back. It's, I'm long overdue. It's been, what, 19 years since I've been. And uh, I know it's completely changed since the last time I've been there. And definitely want to see what it's like. And want to experience it a lot uh, more to where it's where I get to enjoy it better than I did the time before. So, uh, but in, as far as athletics and in Vietnam, like I never really considered it. I, I did always joke around with the, with my friends saying how oh you know we should go back to Vietnam to try to try out for their Olympic basketball team or something. Mm-hmm. You know? So I I am five six and I mm-hmm. lived there in my twenties mm-hmm. and people thought I was huge and I got asked by on more than one occasion and I'm fairly uncoordinated and I got asked on more than one occasion if I went to the athletic college there. Mm-hmm. It it felt great. I'll tell you what, Daniel. <laughs> I felt like felt like a king or queen. Either. Oh so. my god! It was like my bully dreams come true. I'm just so huge in Vietnam. So I mean, five seven is actually pretty big for a male there too. Right. Um. So you probably would enjoy that experience, and especially if you played something or do you play soccer? That's kind of the thing in Vietnam. It is, and I'm just, I'm too slow for it, you know, or my endurance isn't as good for, uh, for soccer, you know, mm-hmm. so um, I always, I always just stick to basketball, so. Mm-hmm. So, it's, as of now, you've joked about going back to Vietnam, but mm-hmm. you should, I would love to see you guys go, and we would love for the pandas to appear on Vietnola from Vietnam, because that would be amazing. And we'd love to hear the game and the commentaries if you guys played <laughs> played folks over there. Um, I want to hear more about your organization, Random's, Random Acts of Kindness. But first, I'd like to go to our segment that we call Vietiquette, where we explore the quirks and the charm of culture and etiquette both here and both here of Vietnamese New Orleanians and Vietnam. And I asked you one thing you thought was kind of quirky and unusual, and you brought up the West Bank versus Versailles rivalry. Could you right. go into a little bit about that and explain for our listeners what that's about? Well, you know, when I first got into New Orleans, um, I just met people, didn't really pay attention to where they were from or whatever. But it, you know, there's there could be tons of Mike wins out there. You know, there could be Mike Wynn from Versailles, Mike Wynn from the West Bank, you know, Mike Wynn from Metairie or something. Yeah, so we've actually just, had another guest called Daniel Wynn. Yeah, so there you go. So, you know, like, um, I just think that pe- people see themselves as, I don't, I don't want to say as better than the other neighborhoods in New Orleans, but maybe just different, you know. <laughs> um, 
as, as lightly as I can put it. You know, you you hear, you know, West Bank's the best bank, right? You know. Yeah. Uh, or you, you also hear the wank. Yeah, the, yeah. I, I definitely use that term from time to time. It's just, it's just easier to say. So. Uh, oh, so you just do it for efficiency's sake. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, I mean, I thought it was funny too. I thought it was so strange that you can be Vietnamese American and you know, not a huge population, 15,000, 20,000 people in this city, which is not geographically large. Mm-hmm. And you can go up here and never eat Vietnamese food on the West Bank because you're from New Orleans East. Right. I thought that was funny. And then you you get nervous if you talk to someone from New Orleans East, if you, if you tell them that you like a Vietnamese restaurant on the West Bank a little better. Mm-hmm. Don't ever do that. Right. Ever, ever do that. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. So, <laughs> um, but I do want to hear about your future project, and you you alluded to it earlier. The random acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. Random acts of kindness is just something that I kind of got into soon after the Sandy Hook, um, um, I guess massacre, where you know the gunman took out all the kids, and L. LSU football was playing at the time, and they had a decal on their helmet that was against random acts of violence. So I kind of just, you know, I thought I was creative enough, creative enough to could just come up with it myself. But then I Googled it, and there's actually an organization, Random Acts of Kindness, and it's just it's a, a campaign and a movement of just, you know, doing simple things for people to where, you know, hopefully they get that enjoyment and they can pass it on to somebody else. You know, um, it doesn't take much, you know, it's not like it's a, it's a, it's a cause where we're asking for money or anything. It's just something that people can do to make, to just spread happiness. You know, um, I've used the term, uh, the chain of love before that, you know, it, it starts somewhere and it just keeps on going, you know? Um, so that's something that I've been trying to work on for my teams and, you know, they, we normally do a lot of t-shirts. So when they do their t-shirts and they wear it around, people see it, people ask about it. And, ho- you know, hopefully they're able to tell them everything they know that I've been trying to preach to them about our campaigns to where, you know, it can just not change lives, but, you know, just have people thinking, you know. So, so. is it kind of an organized Function like do you hold functions to kind of promote this thought or we uh I think as of right now right now they have a nas- national random acts of kindness week in February so we're just gonna as of now we're just gonna kind of partake in that to where we um and we we all do our own things basically with with it, like I said, with our t-shirts or something, we either just show it off just to, to raise awareness because social media is the quickest way to, for anything to spread these days. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, all it takes is one picture, one post, you know, a couple of likes and, you know, people are asking what, what it is. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just a good way to market it. And um, that's now, how we're going to start. And is it tied to the activity of the pandas or is it its own entity? It is. Um, it's tied through the pandas as in the pandas are putting out funds for um for raising the random acts of kindness awareness so uh you know our t-shirt design has our logo on it and i think it has you know a large panda bear giving a, 
a small panda bear, a little red balloon, you know? So it's, that's, we kind of just take all everything that we do and we just, you know, put our little pandas twist on it. I do love your choice of mascot, by the way. I mean, there are a lot of ones you could have chosen. You could have done the dragon thing. You could have could done have, the tiger yeah. thing, but everyone wants to hug a panda, right? Definitely. You know, and, and people, make fun of us just because you know we're not fierce animals you know (laughs) fierce in your own way 22 championships later right yes yes (laughs) well why don't you um give our listeners the links to your websites that you'd like them to check out or maybe your facebook pages okay well um first off we just have our facebook pages facebook.com slash the pandas um, and then for our, our first team, we have their own page, and it's going to be facebook.com slash pandas basketball. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is at the underscore pandas. And that's all that we really have in terms of, um, you know, uh, social media. And if anyone has any inquiries, they can always email me at playbookforsuccess.com, uh, at gmail.com. So Great. Thank you, Daniel, so much for coming on the show. And thank you for all your hard work with the pandas and the charity work related to that and these other organizations that you are, sounds like, going to take by storm like a panda. Hope so. Thanks again. That's Vietnola for today. Thank you so much for joining us at home, at work, on your phone, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Special thanks to today's guest, Daniel Nguyen. Summer's almost over, but at Old Navy, the styles are as hot as ever. Get to Old Navy now for 30% off all jeans, 40% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, get 30, 40, and 50% off all your favorite styles for the whole family, plus up to 75% off clearance. Hurry in fast. These deals won't last. The sale ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid in-store 822 to 828 and online 822 to 824. Excludes in-store clearance, bubbles, active, licensed, and men's package tees.